Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rossi. With me this week are my two absolutely amazing co-hosts. First up, he was bitten by a radioactive spider, and all he got was this incredibly tight spandex costume, Joe Perez. Hi. I uh, I wish I had the spandex costume. I have a costume, though. It's totally true. I do have a Spider-Man outfit, because, well. Also with us, doesn't have a Spider-Man costume to my knowledge, but does have a really cute dog, uh, Liz Harper. Howdy. It's by the way, your dog is very. Um, uh, I just thought I should say I, that. I was going to say she would be glad to hear that, but then I thought, you know, she would only be glad to hear that if it came with someone scratching her ears and feeding her peanut butter. I mean, these are what you do. So I mean, yeah. that, that, that's yeah, yeah, true, yeah. true hound fashion. <laughs> but all right, uh, we're going to do the old top stories bit that we do. If you're familiar with the show, we talk about various things going on in the world of Blizzard Entertainment and its many games, as well as other games now because we're branching out a bit. Uh, but this week, we're going to start with the bad thing first. Um, the, the lawsuit from the Department of Fair uh, Employment and Housing, the California Department of uh, Fair Employment and Housing, against Blizzard has just gotten wider yep. because they now accuse Blizzard's HR department of having destroyed documentation. And also, they've expanded the suit to include temporary workers. Uh, what that means is basically recently a court struck down um, California had a proposition that was basically uh, bludgeoned into existence by Uber and Lyft that you could not, you could have certain people who work for you not count as employees. They just be contractors. Uh, then you wouldn't have to provide them with certain benefits and protections. And the state, you know, the California Supreme Court was like, this is absolutely illegal in our constitution. You cannot do this. This law cannot exist. Uh, you can't treat workers this way. And I think that's got something to do with the timing of the change to the lawsuit as well, mm -hmm. um, because a lot of the people who would have counted as quote unquote contractors are now being called workers and are, they have to be treated with the same uh, basic protections of the laws of California as, you know, anybody else who works for a company. 
they count as employees. And I, I just, I think it was Liz who recently republished our post about how many days it's been since the original walkout and how Blizzard's, wow. you know, leadership, the, not even Blizzard leadership, Activision's leadership has done jack all. So uh, Liz, was that was you, right? That was me. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep republishing it and updating it, and until something happens. So I assume I'm going to keep doing that for like the rest of my natural life, because corporations do not like to admit fault, because fault would imply they're liable for something, and being liable for something might cost them money. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, as of today, it's been 28 days since the employees at Activision Blizzard published a list of demands for the company to improve working conditions. And to be fair, and, these weren't uh, very, very bad demands if you're late to the party. These are yeah. like the bare minimum of like how to be a decent place to work. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, they aren't bad demands. I do think, I don't know if any of them are likely to happen. Like the thing about um, ending forced arbitration. That is both so important to creating an open workplace where employees can fight against abusive behavior, but it's also such a big corporate practice that so many big companies use to protect themselves. It's like the easiest way for a company to protect itself from anything. So all of these big companies do it, and I think that's going to be really hard to take down. Yeah, one but thing it's a all... reasonable. It's a very reasonable request. I yeah. mean, this is secrecy is what keep allows abusers to keep abusing. And I in this case, time, yeah, there's something else I want to jump in with. Yeah. Go uh, for it, go also during the new suit, one of the things they point out is that another thing that Activision Blizzard has done is by, by using NDAs so liberally, they've effectively created an atmosphere where people have to go to the company and say, Hey, can I report this person to, to the, to California? Can I, can I tell people about this? And of course they're told that no, so it's a it's a way to basically stifle the investigation against them in the first place, uh, much as you're pointing out that by using forced arbitration, instead of it being a group of people like the in a unionized situation, a union would like take this to the company and there would be collective bargaining here with forced arbitration. There's no collective bargaining. It destroys collective bargaining. It means that you're always alone against the company. The company can bring the full the full bear of its resources. You got nobody. You don't even have a lawyer. Um, and, and that's yeah. That's, and also, you just can't talk about it. You may have something that's resolved through arbitration that just it never gets publicized, probably because they're mm-hmm. NDAs. And even within the company, probably most people do not know about it. And it's that kind of silence that protects abusers and lets them to keep lets them keep abusing. Uh, the other, so the it other, seems so important to end this, but I don't know how. I don't know if it's going to happen. The other scary part about that, too, if you've never worked in in a state that has at will employment, uh, is oh, that when God. you, yeah, California does, if I remember correctly. And so, like, if you go to the company and say, "I want to report somebody," and they say, "No, you can't do that," then they can just, you know, turn around and, you know, either put you in arbitration or fire you, and don't have to give a reason why. And that may mean that you can collect unemployment. That's really the only difference. Uh, they don't create a paper trail so that you can't get the money. But like at will states in working in an environment like that is terrifying because you could just lose your job because you decided to try to do the right thing or stand up for yourself. And it creates that environment that Liz is talking about where it's like it's fear and separation and anxiety 
And like, especially if you're a marginalized person or a person who is on the receiving end of that abuse, you feel like you don't have any recourse. It's awful. It's absolutely awful. And we should point out, like, among the other uh, the other um, things that they demanded, the in addition to the end of forced arbitration, they wanted open posting of salaries for 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 bands of, of employment, which is something you're actually supposed to get when you apply. Uh, a California, if you're applying for a job in California, they're required to tell you what they pay you. Yeah. You don't, it's not like how much you think you should get. They're supposed to tell you what they're This is what the job pay, pay range is. Like they're supposed yeah. to tell you up front. The band of, of your, your reinforced, your payment. Uh, because they don't have that kind of disclosure at Activision Blizzard, uh, people, you, you can be working the exact same job as somebody else and he can be making three times what you make. Yeah, and, and since nobody tells anybody what they're being paid because it's it's culturally frowned upon, there's no way for you to know. And so you have no idea that you know you're barely hanging on paying rent in this area, which is not cheap to live in. I'll just be upfront with you. No place anywhere around Los Angeles is cheap to live in. Um, especially not Irvine. If you've ever been there, it's 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 not like low rent, let's put it that way. Um it, it can be really difficult to know okay am i being fairly compensated and that's because also, no one that, talks about it it's also endemic of just the tech industry in general now as well and it's like i don't want to put like say that this is a unique activision blizzard problem because sadly it's not oh no the, I, we just found out yesterday that there's a big movement at, called apple too yes the same stuff about apple and i guarantee you that if you name another tech company it's going to be there and then I mean, this- there's but that also loops back into the other thing. While it's like technically they can't retaliate against you for sharing your salary, it's frowned upon. And again, at will state, like, oh, yeah, this is what I make a, a year, blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah, then you, you could just be fired because the company decides to because you shared your salary. Like, it, it's it's messy. Super messy. Yeah, they don't messy. have to, since they don't have to come up with a reason to fire you. Yep. It's, as you pointed out, at will, they can fire you just because it's Sunday. Yep. You know, and it does create a, an atmosphere of of fear because, you know, nobody wants to get fired. And it's like, you know, so many things come from your employer in the United States. Uh, your health care often does. Yep. I mean, there's just a lot, a lot riding on you having a job. So, yeah. And sometimes a place to live because a lot of places, especially in California, and I know like New York City um, as just like examples of places that I know of. A lot of times getting a place to live is contingent upon proving you have credit which also is contingent upon proving you have employment. And so like, you can also be denied a place to live if you get fired. Like it's a lot of people ask the question of why don't people like stand up and fight against this and, you know, and rail against this in mass. And it's because of fear, right? Like it's, well, yeah, everyone's be kept isolated in the first place. You have no idea what other people are being paid. You've got forced arbitration going on. Uh-huh. Uh, you've got HR departments that are like working very assiduously to prevent any liability for the company, not to prevent abuse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that, you know, we really do have to mention a lot of times the HR department, it's there to, to serve the company. It's not there for the people being harassed. It's there. I mean, the very fact that we've, we've seen people quietly dismissed from their jobs rather than actually fired. And we have no idea like which of these people was fired for being an abuser or being abusive, or are they splashback where they were just in a chat room and didn't do anything. We have no idea. We have no way of knowing there's no transparency. 
There's and no that way might to be know some of the documents that were destroyed too. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. That's the other thing. And since we're talking that subject, and I, I think I think both you and Liz will have something to say on the subject, but if you punish the destruction of this kind of these kind of files with a fine, that is not punishment for a company as big as Activision Blizzard. Yeah, because the fine unless is, the fine is ruinous, which it isn't, and it never is, and uh-huh. because it also comes back to it's going against the company, not an individual. So it's the company's coffers, and the company can offset any fines that they suffer by I don't know firing a couple temporary workers. Um, and we've seen companies do that in the past. Like it's awful. Sorry, Liz, I didn't mean to cut you off, but please go ahead. Uh, no, I mean I would just have said pretty much the same thing you do. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, the fine would have to be gigantic to make an impact. And it still doesn't bring back whatever information was lost. I mean, if this was done, you could maybe generously say, oh, maybe this was an accident. I don't know. Uh, So that would be the generous reading. And in that case, a fine still does not bring those documents back, does not tell you if that was something relevant to this case. And uh, on kind of the more cynical side of reading this, you think, well, maybe someone at Activision Blizzard looked at this and said, okay, paying a fine for destroying these documents will cost us less than the litigation or penalties that we would face from handing over these documents. Mm-hmm. It's a math equation. And, yeah, and so it always, go ahead, goes, it, it always boils down to math, right? Unless you can make mm-hmm. it to a point that it's absolutely so ruinous that they cannot recover from it. Yeah. It's just, yeah. So basically the whole reason that we brought this up in the first place was because it's very easy for this kind of thing to fall off of the news cycle. Um, There's no movement. The company's not doing anything. So there's nothing to report from a certain perspective. The very fact that they're not doing something is news, but it's very hard to make it news that you, it's like, what do you say? Okay. They're still doing nothing. You know, it's, (laughs) it's, it gets really hard to cover this kind of stuff. We're we're committed to doing that. Um, I think Liz said it best when she said that we stand with the, the workers at Activision Blizzard. Um, back when we did the last, the first podcast talking about this, we're going to keep bringing it up. We're going to keep talking about it. Uh, but unfortunately, as it stands right now, there is not much else to say, uh, which, which is why at least we, we wanted to bring up the, the new lawsuit and the fact that these things have been happening. Um, and like I said, it is not just Blizzard. I mean, the, you know, a better Ubisoft is out there. Riot Games has got the exact same lawsuit going on against them right now. The Apple thing broke this week. I guarantee you, so if you were about to mention a tech company or a game company that hasn't been mentioned in this kind of thing, they've been mentioned in it before. Uh, I heard stuff about EA this week. It's just going to keep coming out because the entire culture is really in need of an overhaul. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I think we're going to move on. Oh, go ahead, Liz. I'm sorry. I would just say, and once one person starts speaking out, it becomes easier for a second person to start speaking out and a third because there's strength in numbers. Abusers protect themselves with silence because no one knows. Uh, and the more people talk out, the more people can talk out and push for change. So I do hope something is going to come of this. And I'm frightened that it won't, but I hope it does. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and now the impossible segue of moving from that <laughs> to patch 9.1.5 news. Um, but yeah, since we do have to talk about it and I, I do think this is a good thing. Uh, one thing I did want to bring up to, before we talk about this, I've seen several people who work at Blizzard make this point that 
Um, they've been working on stuff this whole time. They've been working on stuff for for years at this point. Uh, to, you know, that's coming out. Them being excited about the cool thing they made does not equate to forgetting what's been going on at the corporate level. And I just feel like that needs to be pointed out. It's still worth talking about these cool things that are happening. <sighs> anyway, new character customization in patch 9.1.5 for uh, Void Elves and Late Forge Draenei. Um, basically, they're just getting the, the options that regular Draenei and Blood Elves got. And that's great because there's a lot of cool stuff there. Um, Void Elves, I didn't know that this was a thing. Void Elves are apparently getting bigger ears. Like you'll now have an ear slider. You can pick different ear lengths as a Void Elf. Um, I mean, Blood Elves, Blood Elves got uh, different ear lengths than what, 9.0 or the pre-patch? I think so, yeah. But that's that's like I yeah. said when I talked about it on Twitter. I was huh. like, me telling you that I don't play Blood Elves without actually saying <laughs> I don't play Blood Elves. Because I had no idea. I knew that Night Elves had, had an ear slider now. Because um, there's multiple different lengths of Night Elf here. But I didn't. it didn't occur to me that anybody else had gotten that. Uh, probably should have. I mean, Nightborn probably basically use a lot of the same stuff. So, but regardless, that's happening. Uh, Void Elves will get that. They'll get some other customization options as well. Um, the uh, the Lightforge Draenei will get different hairstyles and horns that they haven't had up till now. You know, various other customization things. Also, in 9.1.5, we're going to get uh, soloable island expeditions. So you don't have to queue up with, with two other people anymore. You can still queue up with two other people, but if you just want to go and run around and try and get like the various transmog drops and pets and so forth from Island Expeditions, you can do that. Uh, you don't need people to come with you anymore. I personally am for both of these things, especially the Island Expedition change, because as I've pointed out multiple times, I'm a literal transmog fiend. Like I'm, it's, I'm a it's little true. He's he's yeah. actually like a whole bunch of transmog in a trench coat. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> I'm basically a constantly shifting set of outfits more than a man at this point. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that the the change to Solo Island, I think basically something they did in 9.0.5 that I just got done writing a post that'll eventually go live on the site, uh, uh, talking about LFR, Solo LFR. I think the reason we started talking about it was because Liz was like, how do I get into, can I get LFR gear anymore? And I was like, yeah, you can just go to the person in and, and queue up for all the LFRs solo. And from that, she was like, there should be a post about this. And I was like, oh, God, I'm going to have to write this post, aren't I? And I did write it. And it, of course, took much longer than I wanted it to because it always does. It, it's the thing about you think these are simple ideas and they are simple ideas. But at the same time, there's like seven NPCs. You have to tell people where they are and how to find them. And then you're like, OK, and you can do this and you can do this and you can do this and you can get this. Um and they always take longer than I thought. But what's really interesting about all this stuff is that it is stuff that goes towards that idea of character customization. Um, Solo Island Expeditions means that you can get all those unique looks that were only available with if you could convince two other people to queue up for with you. And then you had to like you know basically convince them, look, if this thing drops, please let me have it. Uh, so I think that's great. Um, and I, I I'm always down for more customization. What do you guys think is going to be next? Since it seems like they're kind of doing this like multiple offensive of new things for 1.5. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would hope they would kind of continue opening up access to older content because the thing about island expeditions in particular is you had to queue for them. You couldn't just walk in an instance portal. So, like, even if you can solo that content, and by the end of Battle for Azeroth, a lot of people probably could have soloed an island expedition. Uh, but even if you could, you couldn't walk in an instance portal. You couldn't just go in by yourself. You had to queue and get three people. So 
um, this just opens up access because it was really, really difficult to go and find three people to do expansion old content that has no relevance outside of transmog and collecting pets and mounts and kind of unique things you can get there. Um, one thing I don't think they've done is uh, uh, do, they haven't done the raid loot for Battle for Azeroth. The, no, no, it's it, the, they they bumped. I forget what it's up, called. Yeah, um, the uh, I know what you call legacy loot system. Sorry. Yes, that's what I'm going for. They haven't done legacy loot for Battle for Azeroth. So you even if you can go in solo Battle for Azeroth raids or do them in a small group, um, yeah, it's just personal loot. So you may go in and get nothing. Yeah, that, that, that is something I'd like to see them do. Like they did that in yeah. uh, BFA for Legion content mm-hmm. because people were just blowing it up anyway. And they had that long period of time where everybody was home because we were, you know, doing the, the yeah. lockdown. Yeah. But we did, there was no sign of Shadowlands on the horizon. So they, they kind of had to give people things. I think in general, the idea that legacy loot should be two expansions ago is outdated. There's no reason I to not, think... you know, have it earlier. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I do think kind of two expansions ago is the point at which it becomes particularly easy to go back and solo that content, which so I can kind of understand where that line goes, because that's the point where you're going back and like burning down that old content. But also, yeah, but there's people that are burning. There's people that are burning on that content when it's still normal. Like I, no, we sit, yeah. we sit here. We we have we've had articles that we've posted of of people that solo raids at level. Like yep. it's it's wild, but I think there's a point at which anyone can really easily sure. do this stuff, and I think they I think Blizzard has traditionally kind of waited for that point before opening it up like that. Yeah, but I I think in the case of Battle for Azeroth stuff, it would make more sense at this point to get rid of legacy to just put legacy loot in for it and just let people start farming it because it's only going to get easier and it's already pretty easy for a lot of it um but at this point we're going to go to what i call the 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 usual segment where i force liz to talk about hearthstone so i can drink some of this drink i have um and i i get that there's not anything new to talk about with hearthstone but i am curious about this the meta for it because we've talked about this a bit um from what i'm understanding from reading phil's article on this subject Basically, the way that that Hearthstone works now is all the old decks, like the control decks that were so popular in previous mm-hmm. versions of Hearthstone, are completely out the gate now. They just don't you don't bother trying to use them. Can you explain? Like uh, that's that's because of the quest line stuff. Uh, yes. I mean, I think this is kind of all spawned because of quests. So control decks weren't the only thing you could play in the past, but they were always a big presence on the uh, in competitive Hearthstone and. Honestly, playing against a control deck could be really tiresome. I mean, there were times when you would play against a control warrior and you would like go until there's like a point where the game will just call it a draw because it's gone on so many turns. There's a point where you can just die from exhaustion because after your cards run out, it does damage to you whenever you try to draw a card and you don't have a card Mm -hmm. and it's an increasing amount of damage. So you can't just... So you would have games that could go into where people are dying from exhaustion, fighting an old control warrior, which, like, it's interesting to watch once, and then it's like, oh, God, I'm fighting another control warrior on the ladder. Why? Why my life? Um, But right now, the meta is all about speed. It is all about zooming ahead, and quest lines play a significant part of that because all of the quest lines in Hearthstone 
basically like every one of them if you get to the end of the quest line it gives you something so great that you're probably going to win the game so it's all about completing your quest line really 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 fast as fast as you can and uh so you can't play a control deck a control deck cannot hold out against what's at the end of these quest lines like if you do the priest quest line and this is not a popular one priest is not big on the meta right now but the priest quest line like the last card is destroy your opponent i mean i think that's literally the last card um so even if you aren't playing a quest line deck which gives you a really clear win condition in like a really short number of turns even if you aren't doing that you have to play a deck that is it is all about hitting your opponent in the face as fast and hard as you possibly can. Um, so <laughs> the things that uh, Phil mentioned in his article, Phil, Phil led with two Paladin decks. And I'm a big fan of playing Paladin. And I, I get the strange feeling that he is too, because he didn't just lead with a Paladin deck. He led with two of them. Uh, and I'm going to have to try it. One, uh, one of them he listed was Hand Buff Paladin. And I used to really love to play hand buff paladin like way back in like uh, the Gad Gadson days because they just had all of these cards. Um, I guess I should stop and explain that for people who don't play Hearthstone a lot. Uh, hand buff is like basically where you play cards that buff all the cards in your hand. And so, yeah, so you'd put down a card and the card would be like all minions in your hand get plus one plus one. And so then you put down another card that's like all minions in your hand get plus one plus one. Or you put down a card that says every turn all minions in your hand get plus one plus one. And you keep playing stuff like this and then you play like a one cost minion that's like 20-20 and you just murder everything. That's an exaggeration, but that's the idea. So I always I always enjoyed that play style. It, Phil says this is a workable deck, but hand buff can be slow because you have to build up those cards in your hand. So I'm going to I'm going to have to try this out. And of course, we have Kidia in chat saying filthy paladin mains because paladins. Paladins are just uh I don't know. I don't know if they're quite on the meta. Okay. I'm I'm really glad that I got you to talk about this stuff because people have been <laughs> asking us to do Hearthstone stuff forever and I'm always like sitting here going, I don't really understand Hearthstone. So this is really cool. And I actually know more about Hearthstone now because you've been talking about it. Um, for instance, this entire concept of quest lines is fascinating. Uh, but anyway, the last thing I think we're going to bring up before we move on to them questions that you guys send in to us is the Diablo 2 uh, Resurrected Open Beta happened over the weekend. Um, since we've, we've played in the early, the early access beta before that, and I remember playing in the technical alpha as well, it didn't really like bring any new surprises or anything. Um, but one of the things that I did want to talk about was that it was a fairly smooth open beta. Yeah. A lot of people were playing it. Uh, I played it on my Xbox and I played it on my PC. I don't, I could have technically played it on my old PlayStation, but I didn't. Um, I, I have a PlayStation 4 I could have used, but I didn't do that. Um, honestly, and I'm, I'm working on a post about this in my head. Like I, I, I'm trying to, to get it written for this week. Uh, I think that honestly, it's a little bit better on consoles or with a console controller. Um, if you have, like, I actually have for my PC, I've got a Logitech that's basically just a PlayStation uh, DualShock. And I also have a PlayStation DualShock that I sometimes use because you can plug a PlayStation controller directly into your computer and it will work. Um, pro, pro tip, if you have a PlayStation controller lying around for your PS4 and you're like, I need a new controller for my computer, you feel free to plug it in. It'll just work. Um, at least it did on mine. Honestly, there it's really good. 
on 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 controller. It, it works really well. It feels a little weird at first because you're not clicking on an area and walking over to it. You're actually like pointing the joystick and and going that way. But once you get used to it, it plays really smooth. The controllers work really well for Diablo because you don't have that many attacks. Um, did, did either of you get a chance to play on a controller, or you both play on PC? I played oh, PC I completely. I. I only play it on my PlayStation. Honestly, I've been playing Diablo 3 on my PlayStation lately. And so I just fired up Diablo 2 on my PlayStation and it felt totally natural. I mean, the control scheme seems to work really well. Okay, I'm sorry I didn't jump in immediately, but there was something happening outside (laughs) of the squealing child. Um, Live streaming, everybody. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I I do really agree. I think that this is... um, It's funny that the Diablo games have always kind of been something that I felt worked well on, on console. I think Joe and I have both talked about the fact that the first time, like for a lot of people, the first time they played the original Diablo was on the play, the original PlayStation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what we call PlayStation one now, but obviously at the time it was just called PlayStation. Um, kind of like the great war. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I feel like this is one of the situations where it's kind of a revelation to me how well it works in this regard. Um, the other thing is, I think when I first played it on the Alpha, I talked about how it kind of feels a little slowed down. Like if you've been playing Diablo three and then you go and play Diablo two, you're like definitely going to get going to be like, this is a more deliberate game. Not necessarily the gameplay though, because the, the fights are actually pretty frenetic. Um, when you really get into serious boss fight territory, like when you're you're fighting Blood Raven or in Dariel, you're still it's still pretty active. You're still trying really hard to not die and to kill this thing, but because there's there's a lot of stuff that isn't streamlined like you still need the town portal scrolls you still need identify scrolls you still need to go back to town a lot to dump stuff off uh that slows down the play without slowing down the gameplay does that make sense am i, am I like babbling here or is that actually something you guys think might might be on them i don't know yeah i was sitting here kind of staring at the ceiling thinking about this and i I don't have a strong opinion about it either. I mean, yes, you have to do a lot more running back to town and you have to carry all those town portal scrolls. Uh, I want to make it clear that I'm not criticizing that necessarily. Like, I don't think it's bad. I just think it's interesting that the game feels, I don't want to say slower because slower isn't the right word, but it feels more like there's, there's stages between things. Yeah. Deliberate. Deliberate's the one I use. Deliberate's a good word. So. But in terms of the open beta, it was really successful. I think a lot of people played it. Um, I didn't have that many issues playing it. Like I didn't, it didn't crash. I don't think it actually crashed at all when I was playing on BC. Um, and, and when I played on my Xbox, I, I don't recall a crash, but it might have crashed. Mostly on, uh, I'll be up front, when I was playing on the, on the Xbox, I was mostly just running around going, I'm playing Diablo on an Xbox. Um, because I, it, it's still, after all these years, it's still kind of novel to me every time I get to play a Diablo game on the Xbox. And I've been playing Diablo 3 on my Xbox for years now. Um, and it, re- you know, like Liz said, it works really well on there. So it's not a surprise that Diablo 2 works pretty well, too. Uh, anything else before we move on to them, their emails and questions and so forth? Uh, I think I'm good. Liz? I don't have anything. Alrighty then. Uh, so, yeah, if you've got a question for us on the podcast here, there are a couple ways you can get it to us. The first is telepathy. I'm always open to your thoughts. Just beam them directly into my head. If for some reason you don't seem to be reaching me, or if I keep saying cats, what do you want about cats? Uh, then you can try emailing us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com, subject line podcast or blizzardwatch, so we know it's for the show. Or you can just not do that. And then it's like, I don't know, Joe and I have to like twerk off or something. I'm not sure what we would have to do. 
Um, uh, well, that'll be a Patreon stretch call. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Anyway, um, or, you know, for that matter, uh, I'm going to be completely upfront with you guys. If you've got a question for our Tavern Watch, it's a good time. We're, we're doing a special Tavern Watch this week. And, um, yeah, we're going to do a post about it this week. So stay tuned and look at the site so you'll, you'll get to know what we're talking about. And but we have been gathering you your questions. Yeah. We. We can also just tell them what that is. We can. Okay, cool. We uh, can. Yeah. We're gonna have. It's Brend- all confirmed. So. We're, we're gonna have Brendan Conway from Magpie Games, who is the one of the main designers for Masks, one of my favorite games that, that they made, and uh, he's working on the Avatar Legends game, which, if you don't know, is probably a, almost to seven million dollars right now. Should be about seven million, probably right now as we're recording. It was at six point nine earlier today. Yeah. So it is the most successful role-playing game kickstarter ever by like a good five and a half million yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's it's amazing so we're gonna have him on we're gonna ask him questions about the design for avatar about what it's like to be working on a property that that can do that um about what they learned when they were doing other games like masks which is again i'm gonna be asking so many questions about masks like (laughs) is there going to be a special edition of masks thing like that but yeah you can email us at podcastblizzardwatch.com for questions for that which would be great uh, cause otherwise it's probably just going to be me going. So when are we getting a deluxe edition of masks? And have you thought about doing any more mask stuff? And, you know, where do you live? So I can you know come to your house and talk more to you about masks when you're trying to sleep, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure he's not going to tell me. Um, but yeah, uh, if you don't want to send us an email, you can also go to our, our discord server. Um, there's the Q patron. Uh, no, there's podcast, uh, I'm bloody hack. I can't. It's patron Q and podcast questions channel. Wow. I've got that wrong in a while. Uh, where if you're a patron, you can ask questions there. And we, we, we go in and look for them because, you know, we like to give patrons something like that to, to help thank them for having supported the show. Uh, but if you can't, you're not a patron, you just don't have the money right now. We do also look in the Q questions channel um, because we, we do want to help, you know, our, our whole audience is important to us, not just the people who give us money. We just really like the people who give us money <laughs> because it means we can keep doing this and that's important. Uh, but yeah, right now we've got a bunch of questions. Uh, gonna have Liz and Joe trade off. So Liz, if you don't mind going first. All right. So I see the first question from Tetsimi. Question for the queue, Blizzard Watch and or Lore Watch. What is your favorite X is haunted meme? Call back to Prophet Velen, the moon is haunted from last week. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, the moon is haunted is such a classic. How can you outdo the moon is haunted? I'm not sure. I really sure. don't have anything for this one. So I'm not what sure. What do y'all think? I think that if I was going to say that the one that I thought was better, um, quite frankly, that I do like the one that Taryn, Taryn Gregory was the one who shared this one on his yeah, Twitter. Yeah, that, that was his tweet. Yeah. Yeah. So that one's one of my favorites, but... <laughs> The other one I like is one that combined. Do you guys know there's a meme about the four panel format of a comic strip from years ago? Yeah. Uh, the loss meme. It, I saw one that was basically that, but was like people talking about the moon being haunted. And it's one of those ones that took me like a, a solid five minutes of staring at it to recognize what it was. But once I got that one, I was like, oh, oh, it's like getting hit in the head with a two by four. And I like that one a lot. But that's, I think that's basically it. I think, honestly, the, the, the Terran one is one of my favorites because it's just, you know, a loon's haunted. What? Yeah. <laughs> a loon's haunted. I mean, I, I got I to gotta give credit where credit's due. Like, the Destiny one was probably, like, my favorite. So, like, it 
it started, I think it was what, like 2019 ish, maybe a little bit earlier, but it was just, it was just funny. It was just like, it's funny watching, you know, people in uh, destiny costumes and, and outfits, you know, coming back for a gun. Where are you going? Moon's haunted. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, they're all great. Like that. They, they, they all have some really cool stuff there. The, the, there's another one out there floating around about, um, link and, uh, Termina, the moon. So. Oh right, yeah, Majora's Mask. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, Majora's Mask. Which I still maintain that my my Photoshop of uh, Terminus Moon as a loon is the best thing ever, uh, but I might be biased. <laughs> but yeah, uh, favorite. Those are that's those are my favorites. Like I, I just think they're great. I think it's a great meme format. I like meme formats like this where it's it's not really directed at any specific thing, and it's just fun. And you could do a whole lot with it because the moon is everywhere. Uh, I think I saw a James Bond one at some point, like a reference to Moonraker, which, you know, probably most of you listening don't remember that. But I'm old enough to remember that. Uh, there, there's there's some good ones out there. Yeah, but I think we've pretty much answered it. So um, at this point, I'm going to try and get Joe to read the next one. Yeah, there's no try, only do. Uh, this one comes from Nightmare. Uh, question for the queue or Blizzard Watch. Something occurred to me at the guild meeting today where most no one looked like they were equipped with anything from the current expansion and seen three versions of Hattie between Hunters being fully functional with almost any pet from any expansion and transmog functionality turning any new gear into whatever power you use to upgrade your gear. Why the heck does Blizzard not just allow you to power up your gear, basically allowing you to gem rune word any special abilities in or out while adding any new looks to your catalog, uh, what the gear looks like? Uh, any more to me going back and transmogging new gear to look I look I work to get together is uh, I'm I'm sorry like I think the basic idea is why isn't Blizzard allowing us to instead of transmog take new items and basically use it to power up old items and bring them up to current standard um, I think that is what you're asking Nightmare um, that is a very good question but it's also a very complicated question part of it is because WoW was never set up for that. There are games that do specifically that, where you can take an old item and imbue it into uh, with effects from the new item. Destiny does this, um, and it works really, really well, but they also don't have a transmog system. WoW, on the other hand, has a transmog system so that you can literally just make anything look like anything else. I think it kind of accomplishes the same goal, the only difference is you don't have to keep things around uh, or destroy something if you don't want to, and you can just kind of make gear look like whatever. I think functionally, though, it winds up equating to the same thing. Yeah, but one thing that I wanted to point out about this, which is why I included it, was that it accomplishes the same thing without making you have to make a game balance judgment. If you're empowering older items, then... You have to worry about the older items. Like here's one example. Do you guys remember Girthalak, the, the two-handed sword from Dragon Soul? Mm-hmm. Uh, like all the weapons that came off the last boss, the, the Madness of Deathwing encounters, all the weapons had a weird proc on them. Mm-hmm. Girthalak's proc was that it made a like tentacle that would mind flay things in the area around you while you were using it. And if you were dual wielding Girthalax, each of them could proc a tentacle. So for Fury Warriors, Girthalak was best in slot by a huge margin. To the point where if you were using Girthalak and you couldn't get one of the same level, 
it was worth it to go to LFR and get the LFR Girthalak because it would still proc a second tentacle. So even though you, like, say you had, like, the heroic one, which at the time was the highest level of rating, Mythic hadn't come in yet. If you had the heroic Girthalak in your main hand and you had, you know, like a, another drop from, from heroic um, Dragon Soul in your other hand, it would be worth it to go get the LFR version of Girthalak and use that instead because the proc was so good. If you were empowering weapons to be up to current standards, Girthalak's proc would make it one of the best weapons you could possibly get forever. You'd never not use it, which would mean that now instead of you going to have fun and, and farm up a Girthalak just for transmog, you know, fun, you'd actually need to go get it. It would be a necessary drop for your DPS. And I think that's what transmog avoids. Yeah, because but also- transmog. Transmog lets you look like you want, but it doesn't let that proc be overpowered forever. You're you're hitting on something though that I, I was trying to uh, I guess allude to, and it's the idea of WoW has so many stats and procs and and everything else that I, your point is 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 100 valid. It becomes a, an issue with like now. I mean, like as a healer, why wouldn't I power up Valinir? Valinir is. Yeah one of the greatest creations that have ever been existent for a healer, I would just go back and power that up and I would just dominate with chain heal in, in, in my uh, healing reign. Nobody and would be able to touch bubbles. me. Yeah. yeah. Because it procked off of all that, like games that do this, that allow you to power up stuff. Don't have complicated stats like that. They usually have like, in the case of destiny, you have a light level and then you have a couple stats associated with it and mods that you put on the items and that's it. So you can power something up. It very rarely does something have a proc. And then there are other things that like you lose the proc if you, you know, disable or if you use it to feed into something else. Like it's it becomes a complicated mess when you start trying to do the power up stuff. Especially when you Are consider you that WoW's been around for sixteen years and how much how yeah. much loot is out there that could just break the game. And it's it comes back to that concept of it's not designed for that system. Yeah. Um, like you pointed out, Destiny is designed in such a way that that system works for it. Mm-hmm. But WoW was designed so that gear would come and go. Um, like imagine if you could, like imagine if they if they hadn't made it so artifacts got depowered at the end of Legion. If if all your artifact that would have been yeah that would have been your, a thing. If all your artifact abilities still worked right now, you'd never switch away from them. Gear you you would no longer need weapon drops. Period. You'd never use them again. Mm-hmm. You just keep you you just keep using the artifact because it would have so many powers it was giving you. Um, it, it, the amount of DPS that new weapons would have to do to get you to use them over artifacts would be a lot because it's just. I mean, seriously, there was an ability on that thing that just you know gave you a thousand percent more damage, and it was endless. You could just go back to Legion and farm up more um, artifact power and keep bumping that thing up forever. And that's a system they didn't want to keep going forever. If you don't want people, if you want people to actually look forward to new gear in a game like WoW, where gear is like on a constant treadmill, you kind of can't let people go back to like, it's the same reason that time walking had to use a brute force solution to people using older sets mm-hmm. for time walking. Cause, and I'll be upfront. I abused the heck oh, out of this. So did I 100%. <laughs> I went and got my two piece tier 10 and my two piece tier six and I destroyed things. And it was it all worked because everything got scaled to the level you were at. Um, so you could just wear that and just utterly destroy time walking. I still feel like they should have left that in 
because it was fun and it didn't hurt anybody, but they didn't want people to feel like, oh, I got to go farm Black Temple now. And I get that. I understand that. And I think that's one of the reasons for transmog over a weapon boosting system like this. Not to say that the idea doesn't have merit or that it's not a good idea in general. I just don't think it's a good idea for WoW. Yeah, for for the game that we're currently playing, um, it would, you need a lot of changes to make it work, in my opinion. I mean, there's also like trinkets. Um, there's okay. trinkets oh. from uh, previous expansions. I know both of you would use there's healing <laughs> trinkets. You'd still be using yeah. from like what what was the siege of Orgrimmar trinket? There was like one that every healer wanted and would go crazy over. Oh, I forgot what it was, but I still have it in my bank. Like I know exactly what you're talking about. Like I'm the type of person that like I haven't gotten rid of those. Those exist in my bank. They they they're still here. Like I could go get them if that ever, if it was ever a thing, but yeah, I can't remember the name, but that wasn't the only one there. There was a ton of class specific ones as well that were just like really, really, really dumb. Good. So, yeah. So I, I, that's my thing. Uh, Liz, you got anything on this one before we move on? I mean, I think I'm, I was thinking of this question from a totally different angle than either of you were. And, you know, it being about looks because you know, how many times have you gotten a new piece of gear and it doesn't match what you're currently wearing and you like walk outside the instance to pull up your transmog yak and change it so you look right? I've oh, let yeah. people die in mean- raid because of it. 100%. Not even going to take it. No shame. <laughs> uh, so... Like, and you know, one of the reasons Blizzard got rid of reforging was because they didn't want you to have to run off to some NPC to reforge something whenever you got a new piece of gear. And transmog has kind of become like that because even if it's not important, even if it doesn't change our stats, we are so hyped about looking cool. Looking cool in the game matters so much that we will just bail on our raid group and go transmog these ugly shoulders we just got. And um from yet, that yet perspective, I, <laughs> from that from that perspective, I think the question makes a little more sense because it's like, okay, we're all wearing this old gear. Why do I have to like why can't I just upgrade it? Go into the raid and get new upgrade items. And then you don't have to worry about going to the transmog vendor, you know, every half hour when you kill something. Uh no, that would be. I'm. I'll be upfront with you. Um, that certainly would be one advantage to the system. I do think that it would still mean that people would have to go back and and farm old content and hope for a drop that may or may not happen. Yeah. Or yeah. Or quite frankly, you'd have to make Shadowmorn, and yeah. I don't want anybody to have to make yeah. Shadowmorn because as you get more powerful, making Shadowmorn is worse, not better. It's actually harder to do when you can solo the whole raid, because you will accidentally kill stuff before you get the quest conditions done. Yep. Shadowmorn's a, a huge pain to get done. You'll actually be better off if you bring 20 people with you. Um, but regardless, I do think you're right, and I do think that it would be cool if we didn't have to worry about transmog, but my solution to that would simply be to make transmog something you could just do. I'm into that, too. Yeah, just no more having to have a mount to do it, although I would miss my yak. Um, maybe maybe just make the transmog yak summonable inside. They have a, like, they yeah. have a transmog station from engineers. Yeah, so do that kind of thing, but you know, I can get on my transmog mount. I can't ride it. Like if I try to go anywhere, it just immediately despawns, but I can <laughs> summon him and transmog my stuff. Uh, I think that would be cool. Uh, but the, yeah, I knew about the transmog thing yeah. because my wife's an engineer. So yeah, I've, I've been like, please drop the thing. <laughs> please. I really, I just, I got to change this. Please drop the thing. 
Um, so yeah, let's I, stop what we're doing. And I want to look pretty. I mean, exactly. Really, yeah. Like, like the other day, it's important. Like, it's important. Like the, the, the character I'm streaming, my, my dwarf warrior that I'm streaming on the, uh, the live stream right now, as we're doing this, uh, I spent literally every scrap of gold she had putting her in that outfit before we started recording. Like I have <laughs> nothing left. My, my, I got like a hundred gold left because I was going to be pretty for this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. I just think, I think you've got a point nightmare, but I don't think it's something that would be easily adapted into the modern game. I think we're ready for the next one. Liz, if you want to go ahead and, and read it off. And you can pick another one if you don't like the one that's right there. Uh, oh boy. Okay. Yurik asked regarding the end of Shadowlands, you guys referenced that Sylvanas could be the new jailer, but what if she was something else? Zoval betrayed his siblings and was jailed. Then they took a piece of him and created the Arbiter, basically a robot. A new balanced Arbiter would probably be better. Wouldn't a newly balanced Sylvanas fit the bill? She's not exactly killed, not exactly redeemed, but it would but it would make for a fitting end unless they make her and Anduin two sides of the same arbiter. Oh, all of that's weird. I don't know. Uh yeah, I'm I'm not down for the two headed Anduin Sylvanas yeah, arbiter. Not for that, but I, I, <laughs> that would be... I have the idea of the idea of Sylvanas as the arbiter doesn't upset me, although it also doesn't really feel like it's not I don't feel like the job the job of the arbiter I mean on one hand it is extremely thankless. Mm-hmm. You know you're you're basically just sitting there forever telling people okay you go here you go it's like being the sorting hat except can, forever. Can I ask a question? <laughs> sure. This is something I've been thinking about for a long time. Why does there have to be an arbiter? I don't have an answer to that question. The first one seemed to have set it up. As terms of why they did so, I don't know. But that, that I mean, that that's really like, I'm wondering if that's where things are going to end with it is like the fact that you don't necessarily have to have an arbiter because the whole point of like Sylvanas railing against the system is because you have no choice, right? Like that was her whole impetus for doing everything she did. Again, not saying she's right or wrong. I'm not, not going to play that game here. I'm just talking about the facts as they are presented. It's, it's literally... I'm doing this because even in death, we are not free. Those are literal words she said. So what if at the end of this, there is no jailer? There, are, there is no arbiter. There's just you go to Oribos and you're asked what you want to do with the rest of your afterlife. And then if you well, are ter- uh, if you I, are absolutely terrible, then the, the animal police go and throw you into the mall. I was going to say, I don't think many people would pick Revendreth. Why not? There are people because in Revendreth. Because you get Revendreth tortured. And- I can become a better person. I think some. I think there are some things that people would take that. Eh, I don't think a lot. You would, could be. Cl- you could be cleansed of the sins that make you a lesser mean. I, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that people would be going there in droves. But I don't think it's Let's a zero way, number. I, I don't think either Kalthos or Garrosh would have signed up for that because neither of them thought they were wrong. So Which Garrosh is true. would have been send me to Maldraxxus because so I can conquer it and eventually after i rise up to the rank of you know primus himself and overthrow that guy i'm gonna take the armies of maldraxxus and invade the rest of the Shadowlands. i'm not saying that we need to have an arbiter necessarily but i don't know if we can just let people pick their destination either and that's that's an interesting thing to think about it's not i don't have an answer to it i think it's something to think about to consider like, what do you do with the afterlife if there's nobody sitting above, in judgment above everyone sending you off to some realm that you didn't you didn't sign up for? Mm-hmm. What happens then? Do we need to actually have a Revendreth? Like, and if we do need to have it, do we need it to have it be a place? Because that's the other thing where, where we, we when we talk about this on, on Lore Watch all the time. Sorry, like, but like 
we don't even know what the whole point of the Shadowlands really is, aside from being an engine of death that seems to recycle anima. Why? Like, why did the first ones need to set that up? Why couldn't things just die and have an afterlife? Like, there's there's so many weird, wild things that, like, we don't understand yet. But, like, all of it just seems like a... I'm not trying to, like, do the whole Savannah Sidewood thing here, but, like, it seems like an oppressive system that was set up without anybody's consent. So, like, yeah, I can I can honestly see, like, why do you need it? And we don't have the answer to that question yet. Does our universe cease to exist otherwise? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Sorry. Liz, what do you think? No. Um, I mean, you have a lot of good questions. One of the interesting things about Revendreth is that it's the only realm we've seen that really seems concerned with redeeming a soul. Uh, so you get these prideful souls like Kael'thas, like uh, Garrosh. And I mean, obviously Garrosh was, you know, brutally tortured for Anima, but kind of the idea of the zone, which you get as you kind of get that this endless torture is not quite what this, what Rivendreth is supposed to be about. It's about, you know, teaching a soul to be better, to want to be better, to understand that its past actions were bad. And kind of this whole, it's a, it's a redemption thing, but none of the other zones really have quite the same thing. Um, there was always a weird Ar- correlation between Bastion and Revendreth, where mm-hmm. Bastion, actually Maldraxxus too. Bastion, they want you to forget who you were until recently. Um, Maldraxxus, they want you to lean into who you were. Like, you know, you were a warrior. This is a warrior place. Be a warrior. Um, Revendreth is very much about, here's all the stuff you did that was wrong. And, you know, now release it. And by releasing it, you give us power. We get anima out of it. And you get to no longer be defined by your past actions. So it's kind of interesting that they, they each of these realms does things differently. And Ardenweald, you turn into a, to a squirrel. Hey, Chufa is my best friend. I'm not saying he's yeah. not a great guy, but you know, I'm just saying it's like in Revendreth, well, you know, it's like in Revendreth, they, they try to purify you in Ardenweald. Would you like to be a moose? Hey, listen, if I want to sing that I was a young warthog, I'm going to do that. Okay. I'm not saying you cannot bad. take I'm this just, from me, yeah. Matt. I'm do just not pointing out, you know, <laughs> it's like, so do you feel more like a giant horse or maybe you're a bunny? You think you're a bunny? Twerking I could spider. be a bunny. Twerking spider. You figure out, you figure out what your best self is. And maybe it's a bunny, maybe it's a squirrel, maybe it's a giant moose. You don't know, but you figure out what that is, and then you can be that thing. Great. But yeah. none of the other none of the other realms we see is really focused on helping a soul to reach like the next phase of its existence, like we see the focus in Rivendreth. It's all about, okay, you're here, this is your job now. It's like you go to Bastion, okay. Now you serve the Shadowlands and you're going to ferry souls around. You go to Maldraxxus. Okay, now you defend the Shadowlands. You're going to hit things with a sword. Isn't that great? And you go to Ardenweald. Okay, I don't really understand what the point of Ardenweald is, I guess. Now you're a gardener. It's it's basically, Um, you know, you exist to reincarnate. mm -hmm. All these these people require a support system so they can go back and exist again in the world of the living. Um, it's, I, I'm positive. We're going to see more about this in the Emerald dream and all that stuff later, but regardless, you're, you're totally right. Um, Revendreth is the only place that seems to be actually concerned with redemption. And it did work on Kael'thas to some degree. He seems to be interested in redeeming himself to some degree, but Kael'thas also still doesn't think anything he did was wrong. So it's like, well, it's a work in progress. He's got some time. (laughs) 
I mean, it's kind of like Garrosh who went out saying I would do it all again and I never did anything wrong in my entire life. It was all good. Kael'thas is kind of still like, I'm the Lord of the Blood Elves and I did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm, Deal mm-hmm. with it. And it's like, are you sure about that, Kale? Because, I mean, I, as a Blood Elf, I kind of know. And, and, well, and the, he is starting to, like, as you work with, like, in, in the 9.1 quest line, like, there is sort of, like, him having that conversation with Vosh and starting to like slowly grow yeah. as a being, right? Like, well, yeah, there's that power. Maybe the Burning Legion stuff wasn't the best move in <laughs> retrospect. Maybe he's like moved like a millimeter forward towards some eventual redemption process, but he's a long way away. Oh yeah, but I'm not. I do think it does. It just does does still kind of stand for your point though that it at least is it is their their job and their mission to at least attempt it so that there is something i i do think ultimately whether or not the shadowlands needs to have an arbiter at all that's something we might find out more in in future patches um it definitely feels like that's 9.2 in the sepulchre the first ones is leading us towards something where we might find some revelation as to the origin of the shadowlands and why it is the way it is they're not the first ones just wanted to take a vacation day to to really answer the question of whether we need an arbiter and who would be a good jet who would be a good fit for the arbiter whether that's Sylvanas or just no you know who's the best arbiter we have to know what is the purpose of the Shadowlands because all of the zones we've seen have totally different purposes and very few of them are to help the souls that land there most of them are like okay here's your job here's your time card be sure to have it in at the end of the day. And so we just don't know. We don't know. Yeah, I agree. But I think at this point, we're actually at time. We are. Um, So, uh, Joe? I've got this covered, my friends. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast citing community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Uh, thank you, Joe. Going to do that there final thought question daily because I, I want to. What would you like, if you were basically given the job of coming up with what the Shadowlands ultimate purpose was, what would you decide it was? Uh, Liz, go. Why do you just have to throw these big questions out of the blue? Um, I, I think what the Shadowlands lacks right now is like creativity. You have all of these realms that are set in their ways. and you know, you're dead. You shouldn't be tied to all of this stuff. You're still kind of changed your life in a way that you've been sectioned off into this specific faction based on who you are. And shouldn't death be like the time you're cut free? I mean, why are we so regimented here and tied down and locked into these covenants, which of course is back to the point Sylvanas was made that we're trapped even in death. Why is it like that? It should like it doesn't have to be like that. It should be. I don't know if I've answered the question at all, but it should be a more like <laughs> open experience where you can kind of go what direction you want. You're you're dead. Why are you still tied to the person you were in life? Move on. I mean, the point should be to get you to move on. And right now, Rivendreth is kind of the only covenant that works on that. And maybe Ardenweald's sending you back to life. But hey, Bastion tried to get people to let go of their past lives, no matter the cost. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole nother conversation. Joe, you're up. 
So the biggest problem that I've had with Shadowlands the entire time is the fact that it basically flies directly in the face of everything that you are taught as a shaman for the entire duration of the time that you have played this game uh, from the very beginning to the very end. And this is a weird thing maybe for me because I'm so like into shaman, but like it's the idea of ancestors. And there's this, always this this presentation that dying and going to the Shadowlands was supposed to be a release, but it was supposed to be a release in which you could go and be with those you cared about or those that were your ancestors. And you could have that sort of that continued existence in, in sort of like a peaceful way. And then we get there and we realize that that's really not the case. And as a matter of fact, at the end of like the 9.1 uh, campaign line, and look, if you go and just run around Corthia, there's conversations that you can eavesdrop on. Um, if you are in an Ardenweld, there are conversations you can eavesdrop on with like the spirits and stuff like that to talk about stuff like this. Um, and honestly, like the night elves kind of got the better, uh, not the burning alive thing, but in the afterlife, they're all getting sent back to Ardenweld. They're all going to be together, but Draka's not with her husband, right? Um, you, 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 Morgrain is, doesn't get to be with his kids. Like everybody's separated. Everybody's apart unless you get lucky enough to be sorted into the same covenant. And so like, it sort of flies in the face of everything you kind of were taught as a shaman and talking with your ancestors. Now, maybe they were assigned under an NDA and uh, maybe they were forced arbitration that told them that they weren't allowed to talk about the afterlife actually was, I don't know. Uh, this is me trying to make light of a terrible situation. I apologize. Um, but it's, it's weird. Like it, it seems almost disingenuous from what we've, we've been told about it. And that makes me curious if it was ever, the way that we were told about by our ancestors, that it was all we can go and have peace and, you know, have this sort of like existence as spirits with those that we love. So I, I'm very curious where the discon if there's a story reason for that or not. Uh, as for me, I think it's pie. Pie? Yeah. <laughs> is, it haunt- pie. is it haunted pie? I mean, by definition. I mean, they're all dead people there. Yeah, of course it's haunted. Uh, no, I don't. Uh, basically, we don't have a lot of time, so I don't want to run into a really deep thing here. But I think that the fact that, you know, the orcs, orcs were telling people about shamanism and the ancestors, while at the same time their spirits were walking over to Ash, going to be consumed by Anaru, implies that there was always something weird going on there. Like, shamanism mm-hmm. ne- was never accurate. Joe's, sure. Joe's based his entire life is a lie. I mean, he's been wrong this whole time. Uh, he's going to have to come to terms with it. But regardless, I'm being a bit of a dick now. That was kind of a joke. <laughs> but in all seriousness, there's always been more to this stuff than we've seen. And then not just shamanism, the, the light, the void, all of it. We're finding out that a lot of our perspectives have been from a certain place because that's the place we've lived our entire lives. It's the place we existed. So, of course, we see things a certain way. Um, and only now that we've actually stood in the Shadowlands are we getting to see it from that perspective. So I do think that there will be more. But, you know, hey, maybe there won't be. Maybe we'll get to the, like, the end of this expansion. I'll be like, hey, they, anyway, thanks, guys. Back to Azeroth. Wait, we've just found out that our entire belief system was was strangely <laughs> inaccurate. Yeah, have fun figuring that out. Bye. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here with us. Uh, my thanks to both Joe and Liz for being on the show with me as they've been the past few weeks. It's 
always fun to do this kind of rambling talk about various things show that we do. Thank you guys for listening and we'll be back next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.